like the opening scene is like the the bokoblins like assaulting a village and then pow and then like they all look in the whole like one of the homies is just dead and they're like wait <laughs> like he didn't evaporate into evil juice he just dead like his body don't move and then, there's no <laughs> arrow in it <laughs> he's just dead and they're just like oh my goodness Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the episode zero of the Super Agile Bros podcast, where we talk about everything and nothing. Uh, introducing myself, Braston. I am, I guess you could say, the perennial, I guess, host of this thing. I guess I came up with the idea, so we'll call myself the host. Uh, then we got Steve. Steve, say what's up. What's up? And then we got uh, the boy, Three Hams, a.k.a. Kyle, in the building. What to do, y'all? So, 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 you know, it's about to be a party, man. I mean, one day we'll maybe we'll explain the story of how this all came together. But, um, yeah, this is this is a podcast, and you're gonna love it. So today we're gonna be talking about, um, just what it means to be a man. You know, um, I've been the question I continue to ask myself all the time, and since I know Shoop, or AKA Steve, um, you know. He's he's always struggling with this question. Nope. <laughs> I figured I figured it'd be a good nobody question. will tell me, <laughs> and I can't figure it out for myself. Well, there, there's a there's very simple guidelines. You must be swift as a roaring river. Of course. What is okay. it? Or or, or was coursing. coursing, 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 swift as a coursing as a, river. I can't even remember a, the steps now. Yeah, a, there's clearly. Are you a, a man, Kyle? A dribbling river. Do you know? <laughs> you must be. You must be this tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must have ball handles. You know, you know, it's weird. Like, you know how games nowadays, like, you, you ever, have y'all noticed that, like, a lot of games, the, the, the protagonist of the game is, like, a woman now? Have y'all mm-hmm. noticed that? I have. Yeah. And a lot of, I, uh, a lot of people are saying that it's, like, pandering. I have seen more games like that. I, uh, I like it, though. I think it's great. I don't mind at all. No, oh, three, three, uh, three AMs. Kyle, you like it? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Did y'all see the thing? Like, it, to me, it's like, I think it's cool because you know, like, hey, like a female protagonist, let's make it work, and they got a lot to offer too. And like back in the day, all female protagonists looked like Laura Croft with those uh, triangular polygons. assets, polygons, <laughs> polygonal assets. <laughs> That's that. That is definitely a way to put it, but yeah, like I do kind of feel like it's a little pandering. It's kind of like making all your characters minorities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like oh yeah, we got women. You know, we got we got black people, we got Asian people, Hispanic people. Are you happy? We're yet? diverse. I, I think know. about that game. Uh, I think it's Iconoclast that has mostly female characters. I mean, it looks really good. Which one is what, that? What is uh? Well, yeah, what Iconoclast. Is that? It's a. I don't know too much about it. It's been a while. It's on a wish list I have somewhere. But it's a game where you are a mechanic, hmm. and uh, oh. you're like I think I think it's like a party game. Where you, not let me rephrase that. You have a party. You develop a party as you play the game. <laughs> Mario Party. What, did you say Mario Kart? Mario. You party. said Mario Party. <laughs> purposefully misunderstanding <laughs> like <laughs> as he is wont to do i mean hey you know what like 
if Mario Kart was woke from the jump, if you think about it, Mario Kart has every type of character. It got women, it got men, it got Waluigi's, it got ghosts, mm, it got, it got turtles. turtles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we 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 represent everybody here. Everybody. We got baby versions of people. Baby. You know, just just we got metal case. folks. <laughs> we got metal people. <laughs> And the villager, he's like subhuman. I don't even know what he is. (laughs) We got Link, who's an elf. I guess Link is human. Elf? Hylian? I don't think that humans technically exist. I think they're Hylians, yeah. It's the closest thing we have to humans. So are we supposed supposed to assume that the world of Link is on another planet? Or is it on Earth? It feels like it's another planet. Or another another universe or whatever. It kind of it kind of to me it follows the same rules as like Star Trek, where people are like human adjacent, but they're all different mm. types. And there's there's really not anybody unless you're like full blown beasts. You're not really right. you're not an animal, but you're like human enough. That's well, interesting. Yeah. Unlike Star Trek, there's no actual humans. Like I don't think I've ever seen a human in a Zelda game. But yeah. they're all human humanoids, like they're human-like. Well, yeah, they just they, the race of Hylians is basically the humans of that world. Wasn't the Although, um, the running guy? Wasn't he like thought to be from a different planet? The running guy, yeah, yeah from like, like Ocarina of Time or something. I don't know. He was like a hidden character uh, who always wore a mask, and people took are it you off. Talking about the the mailman who always was running around. Yeah. The... Oh, there's a mailman in. Uh... In Majora's Mask. In Wind Mask. Waker, too. Yeah, in Majora's Mask. Pretty much in all of them past, I guess, over because time, yeah. I think it was, like, because he was brown, but he wasn't a, uh, what's the, what's the brown people called in that one? The Sheikah? No. What oh, it was the Ganon. Gerudo? The Gerudo? Yeah, Gerudo. Yeah, he was brown, but he wasn't a Gerudo. Well, well, that's the thing, though. Like, I mean, are we supposed to assume that the people in this universe can't get like there's not complexion, complexion, whatever complexion variance. There's not much. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I if you're, if I guess the Goron are Gorons, like they're just rock people, and then the Zora are fish people. Their complexions are pretty diverse. I think, I think, uh, as far as the Hylians or the Helians or whatever, I think they all are supposed to have essentially the diversity that Japan has in terms of complexity mm. or complexion. That would make but sense. The, I mean, you definitely yeah, have some yeah. darker Hylians, but they're not. But that's you know, like they're the not Sheikah, darker. But the Sheikah people are darker, right? Like they're normally yeah. more brown. You mean then, the Gerudos or the no, no, the Sheikah, the Sheikahs like, uh, too. Like oh. the guardians of the royal people, you know. But they're just Hylians, I guess. I guess yeah, it's like Hylians. a family thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're like Sheikah, so you're supposed to assume that they're like the serving class, right? Because mm. they're a little bit browner, and then oh. and they wear the yeah. Like ro- not robes, but like the loincloths. Like they act like ninjas, but we know yeah. loincloths. Yeah, they, they're like more like ninja-ish, feudal. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. They have those flowing things around their their waist. At least, like some of them do in uh, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. I don't know if that's a running thing. That's my reference, by the way. But but, but here's the thing. Okay, now now that we're on race, <laughs> we're on race. The topic of race. In the, uh, the Hylian, <laughs> in the Zelda universe. Y'all remember in Ocarina of Time, I think it was Kakariko Village, the people, the dudes who lived in that village were like chicken people. 
Remember? Like the Kakariko village? I'm gonna be honest. I didn't play Ocarina. Okay, now is that the? Oh, is that's the guy who plays the the accordion? No, no, no. The people who built the village. Remember, like you came there when you're a kid, and they're like building the town, and they were and they were like, and they were like running around, and they kind of had a uh, how do you describe it? I mean, I know they had some people. They had some flow in how they walked. You know what I'm talking about? Like those dudes who their arms kind of like they were graceful. Yeah, they're very graceful, and they like ran around, and they were like doing construction. Oh, vaguely, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those dudes are like Hylians, but they're very different from the Hylians in like Hyrule Castle. Now, okay, <laughs> maybe it's like different classes of people too. Are the are the so? Here's a question: We okay. kind of glossed over it. Are the Gerudo the same as Hylians, or like just like an offshoot, or are they a separate? race i feel in like the world of zelda i feel like since they were like distinctly named gerudo i think that they're indicating that something is very different about them but i mean are we are we assuming like okay we're in the we're in the world and somebody can be an american they can be a jamaican right. they can be a puerto rican mm-hmm. but they're all humans right so are they all sharing the same ancestry the, so okay ask to answer to answer your question, shoot, this is my personal opinion. I don't I think the Gerudos are similar to a completely different like biological family than Highlands. Because if you think about it, like you got Garuda, I mean I'm sorry, you got uh the Gorons, right? They're rock people, they grew in the mountains. They're clearly yeah. very different than the a Highland, right? Mm-hmm. Then you got the the Zoras, they're fish people, they grew up in the water, and they're clearly very different from Highlands. And then the Gerudos, they grew up in the desert. But the main feature of their race or their culture is they're all women. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no men. And and Ganon, Ganondorf, was like a once in a thousand year, like... Birth. Birth. Where he right? even come from, though? I'm, I mean, propagation in Gerudos is a whole nother... Yeah, I was about to say, where did any of them come from? I got questions now. Are they just stealing <laughs> men? I mean, but but we're assuming that they work off the same biological way that we true propagate, right? Like sure. I mean, like maybe s- they're asexual. True. Yeah. I uh I mean we have to also be careful because it isn't just biology we have to consider, but this is a very magical mm. universe with lots of yeah curses and fairies. And fair yeah, like it, it to me it could be very easily be that they're just Hylians that have fallen under some sort of generational curse. Mm. That, or I say curse, but it doesn't have to be like a negative thing. It could just be yeah, some magical binding DNA that they own. Yeah, yeah, a binding. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. I mean, true, true. They could be just purely, I mean, or, or they could, yeah, they could just operate on a completely different, yeah, like the they, they just birth eggs. You know, maybe you're born mm. an adult, you know, like you don't see many children. <laughs> well, I think the we don't, the prince we don't know the if the princess the Gerudo princess was young in Oh, in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Wasn't she? That's true. She's she, yeah, she's oh, a child. Uh, what's a, her name? There was Riju? a child. Riju? Riju or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I do not recall her name. So what's interesting is that I've been I've been playing um Hyrule Warriors. With uh, my wife, Shailene. Surprisingly and good, right? It's incredibly great. Like, they've... 
you know um i have both the the wii u version hyrule warriors and the breath of the wild version right and the breath of the wild version they i haven't finished breath of the wild i know shame on me shame because shame that's a whole other discussion we can have um but i'm gonna drop they introduced a lot of characters that i hadn't met because i never finished and um but it's interesting because it adds a lot of like like it goes back to this weird thing about the the zelda world of all these different timelines because because hyrule warriors is a different world like it's splintered off and in hyrule warriors they don't all get killed in their um respective beast if that makes sense wait you're talking about the breath of the wild version Mm-hmm. is that wow. not part of the same continuity it's a different world so so i i, I oh. pretty much confirmed it because they say on the the type of the screens like the loading screens so first of all, the premise is that this weird robot go, travels through time and mm-hmm. gives some information to Zelda, right? And because he gave information to Zelda, she was able to determine that certain things were going to happen and stop them, the different um, champions, from being trapped within their particular beasts. Oh. And, and you save them in this game. So in... In what? each situation, you see how they were about to get killed. And then one of the champions from the future, like Riju or um, Teba no and all those, they come through a dimensional portal and help you to fight to save them. And then they don't die. That's then, wild. Yes. I had no idea that they, they went that deep. I thought it was just a cut and dry. Here's what happened. Before. It's very sad. Sorry to see it. I was yeah, under the impression went, it was like a a prequel of sorts, like showing right. the great what hundred year war or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Not of not of sorts, just a prequel. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. They they went straight up like let's make a new timeline, like let's let's like they literally brought it all back, like it all technically. Because Legend needs more branches in the timeline. It needs more timeline. So now it's a whole new timeline. I don't know. First of all, I don't know where Breath of the Wild falls within the zelda timeline in general but now i think it's near the end it's got to be one of the last games in the timeline i've no there idea. are people who have like developed timelines mm-hmm. and i've watched videos and if i remember correctly breath of the wild is near the end but they're not sure so breath of the know? wild 2 or i guess that's the working title you think that's going to be a continuation or will it be another that's an interesting I can't question. imagine they're going to continue this branched timeline from Hyrule Warriors. I'm assuming it's a direct continuation of Breath of the Wild. Okay, okay. So, so okay, for anybody who happens to be listening to this uh this episode, I'm about to say spoiler alert because I'm going to ask you guys. So, what happened at the end of the Breath of the Wild? Like what was the conclusion of the game like, <laughs> story-wise? You can't say spoiler alert after spoiling. I didn't spoil it. Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, you spoiled it. I know, I know. But 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 Hyrule Warriors, okay, first of all, <laughs> the story is like like literally the part that you like, man, can we just skip this? <laughs> like Ooh, like it's fair. interesting because it's Zelda and I like Zelda, but like it's not it's it's really campy. It's like Soul Calibur level like oh. storyline like that's rough like that yoda found a portal to go into the soul caliber <laughs> world like you know what I'm saying? like like come on like but that's kind of how the uh what is it that's fair the dynasty warriors game weren't they all kind of had they didn't have the flavor like that 
Yeah, well, a lot of them have. Well, I mean, they're 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 the same game story wise. Every single game, they just insert random characters mm. like in random places that don't really make sense. But they're like unashamed. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. It's moving. That's copies. the fun part. Hey, man, it's the fun part of it. It's, so they're pretty much pulling the NBA 2K out here. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, who cares? Like, let's just make this work. This is this, this is the game. Like, it's fun. You like hacking and slashing. So so back to my original question. Your question. What right. happens at the end of Breath of the Wild? May I? Go for may it. May I answer? Okay. So uh, what we know at the beginning of Breath of the Wild is that Ganon or Calamity Ganon, which... Hmm. For most intents and purposes, as Ganon, but I guess technically it's supposed to be his own entity or like a, uh, I don't know, like the boiled down version of Ganon, the evil. Anyway, got you. He he popped up. He took over all of the uh, the art guardians. He took over the divine beasts. Killed a bunch of folks. Essentially destroyed Hyrule and won. But at the last moment. Zelda was able to fight him and contain him within the castle. Okay. And she's been trapped there somehow alive ever since then. Meanwhile, you uh on the edge of you were on the edge of death trying to protect her, being a boss, and her last mission to like one of the Sheikah leaders was take him to this fancy bathtub where he'll be resurrected later. So then you play the game and uh, near the at the end of the game, if you've defeated, well, yeah, near the end of the game, you show up at the castle, and you storm the castle, and depending on whether how many of the divine beasts you've defeated, you have to fight those blights in the castle. If you've defeated all of them, then you don't have to fight. You don't have to fight them again. Uh, and then you face Calamity again, and he pops up. He's in the middle of trying to, I guess, form a new body, so he's all gross looking. And you fight him, and again, depending on how many divine beasts you have defeated or awakened or whatever, they fire on him from where you left them. And so he loses huge chunks of health, depending on how much. And then you fight him, and you beat him. And I forget exactly how, but you end up outside, and he's kind of like in a, this is my final form mode. He's a giant, you could almost say like a divine beast, but he's just this giant monster, pig monster. Mm-hmm. And Zelda is awake, and she gives you the ability to shoot light arrows. Of course. And you shoot light arrows at this guy. Weak points. And he, and then she banishes it, or she doesn't banish him. It seems like she kills him outright, like destroys the calamity, um, which is abnormal because in most Zelda games, you only trap him or banish S- him or something. Seal him or something. Yeah. yeah, seal him, exactly. So it seems like she's it's finished. Like there's no more Ganon after this. And then I don't remember what happens after that. Do you remember, Kyle? Um, I don't remember anything significant happening after that. I think it feels like it's just a kind of like, and the world is open to us now kind of ending. Yeah. Because so I- you can't play after that. Like, if you keep playing the game, it'll be before you fight Ganon. It doesn't continue after you fight Ganon. Right, your previous save. <laughs> but but aren't we i mean i mean there's plenty of zelda games where ganon is not the the final boss but he's but he's kind of like maybe influencing a particular character to do something like if have you ever played minish cap 
No, but I yeah. played Twilight Princess, and that was the case there. Yeah, so like in Minish Cap, it's very it's a very different story, um, but similar. You know, it's always Ganon in the end. Uh, so here's the thing, though: like if they're doing a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, like what is what are the odds that Ganon is completely destroyed? And and once again, like isn't this whole Zelda universe based on like basically reincarnation of the same three entities, the mm-hmm. hero? the princess and the evil over and over and over and over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'll ask you this. Have you seen the tra- any of the trailers for the second, for the sequel? I've seen the trailer, but I feel like I've had, like have amnesia on like, it just looked like, <laughs> it just looked like he was doing stuff like, Oh, I'm doing a thing and I'm doing another thing. And the thing is happening. Like it didn't feel like I was getting anything other than like, Oh, sure. you can do more stuff. Like sure, cool. Sure. Express of the wild with more stuff. Like, well, the first loud. trailer showed that underground somewhere link and zelda find what looks like a mummified ganon corpse corpse. Mm. and it comes to life and so i I mean i think the assumption is supposed to be this is going to be the enemy and potentially this is you know i said that calamity ganon is kind of a separate entity like it's the it's the stripped down evil from ganon like this could that could potentially have been just evil exuding from this corpse that's been underground for hundreds of years the expression the expression of ganon yes so she killed that expression but the 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 man himself is still somehow alive under under the castle or underground wherever i, I mean it is would know that yeah i mean i guess it is interesting that they they called the entity calamity ganon mm-hmm. they didn't call it ganondorf or mm-hmm the beast like it's always at the end of a a zelda game spoiler alert you fight ganon but it's always like his ganon beast form like the hog pig right Mm -hmm. yeah it's different so so yeah man i mean maybe that was the conceit right that it was i think they made a point the reason they made that point was that this isn't an intelligent enemy he's like in some of the other games where you fight kind of just a rage monster Mm -hmm. he's like that and not, you know, not the the dark king coming from the desert to rule. Yeah, yeah, and that and that makes sense because in other games he's always he's behind the scenes, but it takes him a while to like revive in his true form. Um, so, and like there's there's times where Ganon wins, right? There's some timelines where Ganon wins, and he's like, like he wreaks havoc. Like, so is it interesting? Like, is it how it works that like sometimes Ganon wins in the they you have to wait for the cycle to reset, and then like that's basically what happened. Yeah, that's kind of Breath of the Wild's premise is that he took over right. the land yeah. and they yeah. waited for Link to come back. Yeah, but Link, but that was the original Link, right? It's the same guy. So the 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 Triforce of Power didn't move to another person. Courage. Courage, yeah, true. Power is Ganon, Ganondorf. But yeah, so, so, so I've always had this idea of what if they made a Zelda, where, and this is where I thought they were gonna go with Majora's, not Majora's Mask, um, Ocarina of Time, not Ocarina of Time. Goodness, there's so many. Uh, I'm on a boat. Wind Waker. Wind Waker, man, I love that game. But I'm on a boat. Hey, man, all you need to say. Descriptive. Um, it works. I thought. I thought he wasn't the hero of time. I thought that he was. He's not. You know, like he's not the hero of time, but he gets the expression of the power. I mean, of the courage eventually. Right. 
Yeah, uh, the, the people who I, I think the official title for him is the hero of the winds. Oh, I guess it's not the hero of time because it's just the hero, and each of the heroes just are a different expression, like yeah. the hero of time, the hero. But but he was the hero, and he had courage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but but what if there was a game where literally you play as the person who's not the hero at all, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Like, you are doing all these things, you're fighting all these people, you're doing all this stuff, but you find out that, like, you can't beat Ganon. Like, you get to the end or the middle or whatever, and you can't beat Ganon, and then you're revealed that you're not the the hero, and it's your job to, like, save the hero. Like, so it's kind of like a... Like a Federation Force kind of thing? Yeah, like... um, (laughs) You're not the main character. You're not the Jedi, you know? You're yeah. you're Han Solo, you know you're. Oh, what a bummer! Yeah, you know, so you're you know. good. That'd be interesting. What uh, I'm curious what you what the gameplay would be like. It would just be the same, but you're a different person. But I'm also curious what how you think that story would go. Like, would would your character kind of bow out at some point, and then you become the hero of whatever? Hmm, that's oh, like, like would you, you give up control of the character you were playing as to then play as the hero yeah that sounds that feels terrible yeah I just as i think about it but but that's the like that's the conceit right i think number one you wouldn't use swords right like you would mm. be somebody who fought like maybe you were a physical hand-to-hand or you use staffs or you use bow and arrow a gun <laughs> you just had a pistol <laughs> a lightning gun i am the hero of time of guns bah! Blah, I got uh, everybody's weakness <laughs> right here in my hand. Ganondorf, he's like, "Wow, you killed Ganondorf!" Like, <laughs> he's dead. Like all these, all these bow goblins like holding their shields <laughs> in certain ways, and you need like, to shoot. <laughs> like the opening scene is like the the goblins like assaulting a village, and then pow, and then like they all look, and the whole like one of the homies is just dead, and they're like, "Wait, <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't evaporate into the evil juice? He just dead? Like his body don't move?" And then, <laughs> no arrow in it. <laughs> he's just dead, and they're just like, "Oh my goodness, this like, this is this is a different game." And they're like, and they like really fight you now, like you know, before they're kind of like dumb, <laughs> like but they're really fighting for their life. And you go, bow, bow, and you bow. That would be a hot game. You're like Ash be. from uh, Evil Dead. <laughs> this is my boomstick. <laughs> but but honestly, I think the gameplay would be he would have a different weapon. He'd get to the master sword. He can't remove it. Right. Mm. That's the moment he finds out he's not the hero. Well, you don't say he's the hero. You just say the person guiding him is like, oh, like for some yeah, reason you're unable to, to wield it. You know, maybe you need to unlock your Triforce of Courage. Right. Then he's like, but you should should be able to still be able to eat the, defeat the evil without the evil's bane or whatever. You go fight Ganon or Ganondorf and you lose like mm. you almost die. And then like question again. OK, continue. Yeah. That encounter is that one of those fights where you actually win but then lose in the cutscene? No. Yes, I hate I hate where you have to actually lose in the fight. Like you can't win the fight. Like you're playing in the game, so you keep losing. So you just keep trying, or you like, like oh his health bar is like nine million, mm-hmm. but you're just gonna gimp him because you're like I can't lose this fight. And then like you spend an hour trying to gimp him, and you realize oh I can't win this fight. Like, I prefer winning. He evades and then beats you. You know, like, he retreats. Really? 
Like, I prefer that. Like, I feel like both of those. I don't know the solution necessarily, but I feel like both of those feel terrible every time. Yeah, I agree. But, but really, how is it? How is it not more terrible to think that you should win this scenario? So, like, when you lose it, you're like, "Oh, I restart the game," right? Like, you just do it. Like, maybe you're just that type of person, and you well, just to, keep trying to fight. You know? Well, well to me, you had to have a cutscene that starts so fast after losing that nobody would mistake it for, "Oh no, I'm dead. I have to start over." Well, to me, when that when the boss has like an impenetrable defense or a health bar that'll take you know days to whittle down i feel like that's just a nod that i'm supposed to lose and i don't think that's good but i prefer that over feeling like i can win the fight winning the fight and then the story telling me that i lost because i just saw myself win well okay okay here's a concession what if you don't defeat the boss you complete a, a, an objective, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, do- knock down all these towers to fill the room with water so you can defeat Ganondorf because mm-hmm. you don't have the evil's bane, right? Uh-huh. So you do all of this and you think that he's now primed to be killed. Then it cuts to a cutscene and you lose. That's right? fine. Cause, that cause, would be cool. Cause you, cause yeah, I think, I think you solved the issue was the objective when you're fighting a 1v1 is to win that fight. And so if after, you win the fight, or if the if the fight is just wildly unfair, then that objective isn't satisfying. Mm. I'll say this: uh, What if we have a normal health bar, but the cutscene of you losing starts when you get the boss to some health? It's not zero, so you don't think that you've won, but like you know you're, you're, you're doing win. stuff. Yeah, you're not even you're about to win. Maybe like half or a third or two thirds, right? And at some point, he just turns the table on you in a cutscene. I think that's See? fine because a lot of times they they take it from the point where, especially like if it's a you're fighting the final boss, like the first boss of the game, then it's like once you get him down to a certain amount of health, he's like, oh, I've just been toying with you this whole time, and then mm. he kills you in the cutscene. So it, it makes sense then. Yeah, because yeah. I've been playing I've been playing Hades, and one thing I've noticed is that death doesn't mean much, right? Because uh, when when characters in this game die, they just respawn in in Hades in the under in the underworld. But canonically, there are some fights where you kill the other the the person you're fighting, and there are some fights where you don't. And it's very consistent. Like, oh, this is a person who's not supposed to even in this temporary sense die. Like, you just win the fight. And so there's plenty of times where like I've won a fight with health still in on the health bar, or a fight went to a second phase with health still in the health bar. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's interesting because to me, I've, I actually dislike in games half when you like, for example, in some of the fights that you do in uh, this Breath of the Wild Hyrule Warriors game, you fight a main character, an enemy, but you, they're not ready. This is not the point where they lose in the game, right? So they sure. retreat, right? Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like don't retreat like just don't fight like i get it i get uh-huh. it you would retreat but i'm like hey i'm killing all your homeboys like you don't have anywhere to retreat to you you know like right. <laughs> like where are you supposed to go like i don't know i just prefer like the fight that i have with you to either be the final fight or i think i kill you but somehow you survive you know like like, really? like i i i prefer like me defeating you 
so like completely i don't like for some reason i just don't like the idea of like aha boosh throw down a puff of smoke (laughs) (laughs) you've bested me this time but next time i'll be more prepared you know speed racer not that i not that i don't agree with you but doesn't that feel more like a game or like a story issue rather than a gameplay issue agreed but but that's the that's kind of the point to me like it's the same it's the same to me i think the spider-man games handled this really well because one thing they use to their advantage is set pieces like if you're gonna have a fight with somebody and they want it to be in phases um then they never make it to where you're disengaged by watching them run away it's like so if they're gonna run away it's because you've been beating the tar out of them and they're trying to escape but you're given control to chase them down and you know it's up to you how far they get you know in a lot of cases or in other times a building will be falling and you have to save people. And so then again, away, but it's never just a, like Brad was saying where it's, it's some cheap maneuver where now the game decides they're leaving. Mm-hmm. So maybe, so retreating seems like a bad thing, but I mean, do we still agree that having a boss beat you instead of you beat him is sometimes okay. If, if the gameplay is okay. I think if the boss beats you quickly and summarily, like I, I, I think if you can hmm. put up a fight in any way or form, uh-huh. it can be interpreted that you could win that fight, right? That's like, fair. like oh, maybe there's an alternate ending where if I beat them, like for example, I don't know if you've ever played Metal Gear Solid, but in Metal Gear Solid, there's a point where um, Snake gets captured, right? And he's in this room where he's getting tortured. And you, in order to survive, you have to like tap, like circle and X really fast, right? Like, you know, old school games, like, you know, that, that stuff. Um, so if you do well enough in that scene, um, you get a different ending of the game. Like it completely changes your ending depending on how you perform in that moment. Right. So so in 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 my mind, I I you know like I knew this prior to the first time I played it, or like I ran into something that somebody told me, and I was like, "There's no way that I'm about to get the second option, which is I survive, but I'm in worse off and I get a worse ending." You know, right. like the fact that they gave me an option made me frustrated versus just like I die or I don't die. I get it, different endings, that's cool. Mm-hmm. More you know gameplay time, you know, like secrets. Back in the day, that's what it was. But I think in a game where, like, I'm playing something where it's an RPG, it's an action game, whatever, what have you. Like, if I'm fighting a person, I like, yeah, if this person's stronger than me, like, I like the games where I go into the fight, they hit me once and I die. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like, there's no way I'm winning this fight mm-hmm. in a million years. Like, mm. it's as simple as that. And RPGs have done that in the past. Like, you start the fight and the guy does one move, does 999,000 damage. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, I was never going to win this fight. But don't give but, me a chance. You see, I don't like that feeling. I like, even if I know I'm supposed to lose, I like to feel like it happened organically. You know, like, I don't want it to just be like, oh, don't bother trying to fight this guy because you know you're supposed to lose. Like, I still want to try. Maybe that's just... Yeah, I think... Maybe that's like a really hard thing to pin down, though. I definitely think it's yeah, it's a hard balance to find because yeah, if you don't balance it well enough, and you know you feel like you have a fighting chance, then it's easy to get into what Brad was saying, where you feel like you can win the fight. Um, so to find that place of powerlessness, but also 
Like I think, I think it's a really tough spot because you, like do do you allow the player to hit them to to do any damage? I I think that's yeah I think it's a difficult place, but I think like it comes back to what we've been kind of describing, which is like narrative and gameplay have to kind of come together where like right. you can't like okay in one scenario. You're not this guy. The final boss is so much stronger than you at the beginning of the game or whatever that he should, she should mollywop you, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I go up in a fight against Mike Tyson, it doesn't matter. Mike Tyson is gonna hit me once, once, and the fight is over. Over. Like I can go around sticking moves, throw my jabs, and blah blah blah. But like Mike Tyson hits me, it's over, right? Yeah. So that's cool. Like cool, you're good at evading. That's fair. Oh, sorry, my computer just randomly turned on. <laughs> but yeah, that's fair. You can fight f- to your heart's content, but you're going to die. I just don't mm-hmm. think, you know, but that's a narrative decision, right? This character is so much more powerful than you that you don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. I can understand what you're saying, Steve, if you're saying like this character is within some realm of possibility for you to, to defeat. So, okay, you can fight him a little bit, but then it gets confusing because... You know what I'm saying? I suppose, yeah. Here's and and you're also saying that you want losing to be a definite failure state in the game. Like you don't want it to be like, well, you lost, and now the game continues with that loss in mind. Mm, yeah, because that's what you're describing in Metal Gear is. Yeah, you lost that mini game, but the game goes on, and you get a worse ending because of it. Your enemies yeah, I don't- will remember that. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think to me that's the breaking of the immersion. The moment mm-hmm. that I have to go online and search, can I win this fight, right? Like, to me, I've just left the game. And it's just, like, it's doing the opposite of what I wanted to do, which is to take me to another world, right? Like, it's now just mm-hmm. become, like, not a job, but something that I have to... Optimize. Like, you know, exactly, exactly. And, and I think games do really well when... And I hate that because say I search, can I kill this boss? And then I see something that I don't want to see, you know, like from yeah. much further along in the game. Then oh, so that's <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> it's it's really interesting that that's the problem we have because in my mind, if I was trying to develop, you know, design this game, I don't expect or want people to ever go online to optimize. Like I want people to play the game mm-hmm. as they play it. And to experience it as they experience it, and I. But what you're what you're bringing up is that even me or whoever's developing this game, like you can't control how people are going to want to, you know, cheat the system. They're going to look up. Can I beat this? Like in my mind, if I'm playing that game, and I do something, and then there's a, a bad outcome, I'll just think, oh, that's just what's supposed to happen. I won't. I might maybe I'll try to like save scum and try to do better. But I'm not going to go outside looking for clarification, like, was I supposed to do something different? But I guess you would, and I guess a lot of people would. Yeah, I, and I think that's just from what we've been taught through gaming, right? Like, I don't know, you know, Kyle, like, but you've probably had that experience, like, you know, like, you play a game, and, and it's the game, you're, you know, you're not playing a game in a vacuum, right? Like, you're playing other games around it, and if the industry standard is that, like, Oh, like we're making games that have diverting paths and different endings. And you know what I'm saying? Like if you're in that moment and you see a thing that could possibly be a diverting path, it's like mm-hmm. in, um, what's those games? Telltale games. 
Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you make a decision and who lives, who dies, you know? Yeah. Well, I think in those games more than others, we kind of expect there to be that. Yeah. They are very narrative driven, yeah. but, but yeah, when you find those elements though, in games where I guess you don't expect it is jarring. So for example, maybe this is a weird example, but Metroid prime games, uh, you get a better end. I assume all the Metroid games, but at least the ones I've played, you get a better ending, or you get like a a secret ending at the end if you collect enough, like a high enough percentage of all of the collectibles in the game, mm. or if you beat it fast enough. And I'm like, I the, at least the first time I play a game like that, I'm never, I'm not looking online like what's the time I have to be under, what percentage do I have to get. I'm just going to play the game the way I want and, you know, I like to have a high percentage. So I'm going to go and try to find every little thing, but I'm not going to break my back if I can't find the last 2%. And then I beat the game and I see what I see. And then afterwards, I'm like, cool, what did I miss? <laughs> Is it worth me playing again and try to get that 100%? Right. Well, I don't do I don't do that till after. I think well, that goes to show it. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that just goes to show a giant, uh, it's a giant influence that the online community has had in gaming. Just because, like, games that were never meant to be competitive are because of things like speedruns. And so, yeah. that would influence there being an achievement centered around, well, how fast did you do it? Or the game even, you know, keeping track of that. You know. Well, I, I have some alternative facts. <laughs> so, 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 uh, get that I, crap out of here. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this in the sense that I get what you're getting at, Steve. But in this particular case, which is Metroid, there is some context that's really important to understand why that choice, why they did that, is actually um, expected. And if you're familiar with the Metroid series, you would be okay with it and even fundamentally when you play it you'd come off with that expectation because in the original metroid if you beat the game at a certain speed you got to see samus without her helmet on and it was a Mm -hmm. big thing and back this is before the internet right so Mm -hmm. it was a secret like oh my goodness samus is a woman and the only way you would know that is if you beat the game under a certain period of time and had so it had nothing to do with you know speed running like the community didn't exist or anything. It was literally a secret. So in many ways, the legacy that is Metroid created that type of mentality. Beat at a certain speed and certain completion rate, you get a different ending. So that's really an homage to the original game, not necessarily a reflection of what the gaming culture was at the time. But I understand what you're saying. But in this particular situation... I think that development decision was made because of the legacy of Metroid, if that makes sense. Right. I guess I wasn't trying to say anything about well, they, the development decisions. I was just pointing out how I go about, you know, games like that, where there's something I could be trying to optimize, but I choose not to, not to peak. Well, I would, I would say <clears throat> that it would fall into the same category as like other Easter eggs. I mean, it wasn't, at the first Easter egg, by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if that's an Easter egg, is that Metal Gear ending an Easter egg as well? Would you say it is? I, I would say that in context of the time, I think it was. But similar to you, how your feeling about it is is um, 
is different than what the implementation was at the time, right? Like the developers, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd have to look a little bit more into the, what, if there's any legacy to that, but also like Metal Gear was doing a lot of things. It was subverting yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, standards. I mean, the whole like, what's that fight wild. with, with uh, Psychomantis? Uh, Psychomantis. Psychomantis? I can read your mind. <laughs> you know, like that's to me, you know. Foolishness. You know, the fact, I wish that I could have experienced it when it was happening. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like that would have been wild, you know, like that I have to think outside of the box like that, you know. I, for what one, you- will admit before anyone that I wouldn't have never in my entire life figured that out on my own. <laughs> yeah. Figured out what exactly, like how he was doing it or how to beat him. How to beat him. Plug in the controller into the, in the port too. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, well t- to be fair, like from what I recall, like he actually kind of hints at it. Like you would figure it out if you played it long enough, if that makes oh, sense. Okay. Like, if it, you lost long It's enough. not completely, like I might be wrong on this, but I recall him saying, you know, like saying some quips that would make you think, oh, maybe I should try that, you know? Mm. Um, okay, that's cool. Though. Yeah, from, that's from really what cool. I recall. But like, that's why Ko- uh, uh, I almost called him Koji Kondo. <laughs> 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 that's why, uh, what's his name? I'm now blanked on his name. Kojima. Um, yes, thank you. Kojima is such a genius. Like, he he just really did cool things that like now seem almost standard. But like mm-hmm. we're completely mind blowing, <laughs> and he's still pioneering things. What did he do recently? Death Stranding. Yes, yeah, Death Stranding. It's a whole. It's a. I mean, the gameplay itself is pretty weird, but the idea of a of a game that is supposed to be nonviolent in a violent world. And mm-hmm. I don't know when you, the little the little pieces don't seem innovative, but then when you put them together, it's a. You know, people make fun of him for saying it's like, oh, it's the first strand type game, but it really feels like a different kind of game. Interesting. I haven't played it myself, but it's, I mean, it's palpable that it's struck a a unique chord. Like, it hasn't, like, you can usually categorize games, and people have been having a hard time categorizing it. And so, just to me, from an industry standard level, that means that he did something radically different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I wonder if, like, that's always been his like goal, like to subvert the norms or if that's just fundamentally just who he is. Like he's always thinking on another, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it intentional or is that just an expression of who he is? You know, I feel like if you, if you, if you listen to the dialogue in any of his games, you kind of get the feeling that it's gotta be just how he thinks. Hmm. I don't know if he plans that far ahead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, he just found a, a medium that lets him express it yeah. in an interactive way. Did you see his explanation of 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 like the uh, the emergent multiplayer or whatever it's called? No. Mm-mm. So he was going on. He's talking about how. So in the, in the game, you you get likes from NPCs for you know doing deliveries and stuff, and a lot of a lot of your. Uh, the progress you make is based on how many likes you get, which is based on how well you do. But you can also, uh, when you build structures in the game to help yourself, or when you donate materials to like, oh yeah, to build these, to build huge structures that you wouldn't necessarily be able to build by yourself, that's actually shared online. So all the people, not all the people, but I guess some subset of the player base is 
is online with you, kind of. You never see anybody mm. in the game, but your your structures show up in other people's games and vice versa. And you share the donations that help build these huge roads that make the game a lot faster. And so there's a kind of community aspect to it. Like you kind of pretend in the lore, there's other people out there who are making these deliveries and are doing this stuff with you. And you're, 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 and it fits in perfectly with the narrative, which is all about a divided country. Everyone's living in bunkers by themselves and everyone's afraid to be whole again. And you're literally stitching like, you're going around the world basically connecting everyone's internet. It's like you're stitching the, the country back together and it fits in perfectly with this idea that you're building community with other players. And he's talking about how like you can like other people's structures. So I'll log into the game and I'll just get like three or four notifications of people liking a ladder that I left somewhere that helped <laughs> them, you know, it helped them scale a cliff. And they were like, thanks, I appreciate that. And they liked it, and I heard about it later. And it doesn't mean anything. It just feels nice. So, um, and those things last forever? <clears throat> the ladders? No. Um, I mean, even even my stuff, well, I'll say, like I said, as a subset of the players. So it isn't like every player in the world is littering my game with their, <laughs> their structures. But um, there's also a built-in, uh, uh, Basically, things fall apart over time just because of in-game. The the timefall makes things degrade, so it kind of naturally works out that well. Uh, okay, they have that way. No, I mean, that's really cool. It kind of reminds me of... In, I've never played a Dark Souls game directly. Yes, um, yes. But it does remind... Like, when people told me about how people would leave signs or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, like that, that kind of emergent community aspect of uh, the game. Like that's that's really really cool. Ko- <laughs> Kojima's on another level, son. <laughs> yeah, I will say, in in Dark Souls, I always hear about people leaving troll messages, like, "Oh, you know, just just jump," and then you jump, and there's nothing there. Not- and you mm. Yeah. But in this game, yeah. in Death Stranding, you can't do that. There's only leaving likes and building stuff for people. The worst you can do is, you know, leave a ladder somewhere that's not helpful. So you can't really grief people like you. You can't really. Exactly. You, yeah. you know, what's interesting, like about emergent multiplayer. And I know that, like, of course, like Kojima intended for people to do this, right? Like to have an emergent thing. And in Dark Souls, they kind of were like, oh, this is we're going to leave it this way. Um, one of the most interesting experiences I think I've had in multiplayer, like and I go back to it every once in a while is um, in Journey. Um mm. Yeah, never played it. Like, oh, it, it, bro, you got to, you got to do it. You got to do it. And, and the the reason I did it was accidental. I didn't mean to play multiplayer, like online, but like, it's so strange because Journey, the whole conceit is that you're by yourself and you can't, you're not speaking English. You're speaking some weird like beep boop boop beep boop, <laughs> like making noises <laughs> and like, okay. like it's very strange. Like you you have to play it, but when you have another person. And it could be anybody in the world, right? Like, there's no, like, I can connect with a friend, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's literally a random person that you'll never, ever interact with again. Like, that you'll never know who they are. And it's this weird thing. It's completely an anonymous experience. But, like, the engagement you have with this other person who could be on the other side of the world, who could literally be next door, and y'all are, like, speaking to each other and trying to, like accomplished tasks like it's such a strange experience like 
like and kind of helping each other because you can play the game by yourself you don't need another person but like you can assist each other to do things easier and get bonuses to make your scarf longer and stuff it is such a like weird experience like when another person with you and then like at first like and then when you're with a person who's like super cooperative and helping you like you don't want to break that friendship like you want to continue throughout the whole game with them like it's very strange but i'm not sure if it's the same person when i go from stage to stage Mm-mm. like no way to know it almost because there's no indication there's no indication like and it feels like it's the same person sometimes but there was a moment where i was playing and it felt like i was playing with the same person and i was waiting for them and they joined me and then i got to another stage and it had to be a different person because their personality changed which is such a weird mm-hmm. thing to say like they're not even speaking but i could tell it was a different person it, it was so yeah. yeah it was such a like how they cooperated with me you know what i'm saying yeah, and I remember when in my playthrough, <clears throat> I've only played that game through once. I considered playing it through again, but I have a hard time playing games again. I'll be honest. But um, I I remember encountering people from like all different, like with with different motives. Hmm. Like the first person or one of the people that I encountered wanted absolutely nothing to do with me. <laughs> and then <laughs> so, he was playing by accident. He was like, "I'm just playing single player online." On yeah, so he was jumping gaps and and finishing puzzles and just doing everything while I was just straggling behind. And eventually, we got separated because he was just moving too quick. And then I met somebody who was <laughs> about that life, and so they helped me with some stuff for a little bit. And it was uh, on one of the longer sections, and it was so tragic. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you, Steve, but. So, okay. so there's a, there's a lot of like, um, platforming in the game. Mm-hmm. And when you get far enough in the game, it gets unforgivable, unforgiving. And really? yeah, like you'll, you'll fall and fall and have to re- redo bits and pieces if you're not careful. But they do it in a, in a way that's, that makes it in, still engaging and fun to do. So it's not like grueling. But, um, me and this person who was, you know, they were with me for a good portion. We got up really high on this bridge and we we jumped across one gap and he got careless and missed the second jump and fell so far. And I remember just standing there at the ledge watching him fall mm. for, for a good <laughs> five seconds and hit the ground. And then I waited because we built this bond. You know, yeah. we were climbing up this thing together. So I waited. I was like, okay, no, he's going to make it back up here. It's going to take a while, but he's going to do it. And so I saw him climbing and he was rushing so hard because he knew I was up there. And so he was jumping, making the jumps, but he was being so careless because he, he just wanted to get back to me as fast as possible. And he kept missing jumps and getting put further and further back. And eventually I was like, you know, I just got to move on. I got to leave you behind. It, it's yeah. such, hey, it's, that is tragic. It, it really is an experience, man. Like it's... I, <laughs> It's, it's a journey. It really is. Like I don't, I don't know how they did okay. it. I don't even think they meant to to make it evoke the feeling that it did in multiplayer. Playing by yourself is just play it, shoot, play it, Steve. It's, play it's, it. It's, it's it's worth your time. It's I think I think it's a gaming experience that every person who considers themselves to be a gamer should have. Um, with and mm. and I think you should experience it without knowing what's what it is. Just play it. Try your best to avoid any type of spoilers, but um, yeah, it was it was very special, you know. And I and I think mm-hmm. you know I think like 
it, it kind of makes me think about all the different multiplayer experiences I've had throughout my life and like how there's certain experiences that you have that like stick with you, like playing multiplayer Halo or Apex or I think I shared this with you guys before. But one time I wish I really honestly like I wish I could have recorded it because it was so beautiful. You know, I'm playing Apex on the PS4 and me and my teammates are playing. We're doing pretty decently. Um, and one of our teammates uh, gets killed. Right. And he gets killed in kind of like a weird way and like it wasn't really his fault but it just happened right so the other the, me and the other guy kind of and he was better than us like he was kind of carrying us in a way he's like a little bit better and mm. we find a, a point to respond him we bring him back in the game and he doesn't have any weapons there's no weapons in this particular area so i throw my like my 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 secondary gun to him and all my bullets right so I give him my gun because normally in the game, they, people just leave you, right? They just abandon mm-hmm. you. But to me, I'm always like, I want to be more, you know, kind. So I give him my guns. I give him my bullets. And he picks them up and he's like, thanks me, right? Like in the game. And the cool. dude who's with me sees me do that. And he, I see him standing there and like watching this interaction. And the man literally gives his shield up. What? And he had That's like a purple, shield. a purple, a high level shield. For those who don't know what Apex is, he had a high level shield. And he gives it up completely. And I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> like, it was like this. Like, and, and if you've ever played Apex, you know, like, giving up your shield, especially That's to huge. a random, is like, person is like huge. And he gave it up. And like, it was like a beautiful moment. Like, <laughs> I gave half of my inventory and my weapons and like, you know, stuff like that. And he gave his shield, his literal protection. And I was like, yo, like, you know, we didn't, we didn't win the game, but it was like, it felt transcendent like we got into a fight we want to fight even despite our this you know and then we lost eventually but it felt like we won <laughs> you know like yeah you banded together it was it was beautiful you know versus other experiences That's cool. you know <laughs> yeah other experience <laughs> i've seen some of those experiences yeah yeah so, so would you would, would you say journey is one of those games that you desperately wish you could play for the first time one more time yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, I think I'd put that on that list. Yeah. What else would you put on that list? Uh, Final Fantasy VII. I wish I could forget everything about it, ne- knew nothing mm. about the culture, and just played it the first time. Um, for me, Xenogears, old game. These are like old games. Um, Mass Effect uh, 1, 2, and 3. Just going through that experience the first time was like completely different than anything I'd ever played. Um, it was such an experience. Um, I think that's a that's about it. Maybe I don't know. What about y'all? What about you, Kyle? I'm still thinking. You go ahead. Okay. Um, I think there was a moment in Bastion, which I don't. I mean. Do you guys care if I spoil one of the nice moments near the end of the game? No, go ahead. Okay, so in, in Bastion, essentially, to to summarize most of the plot is you're you're a kid and you're going around the world after this apocalypse happened. It's called the Calamity, and it destroyed Calamity Ganon. <laughs> it destroyed what appears to be the whole world, but you find out later it's actually just your country that was destroyed and you uh your country i think it was ceylandia is at war with this other country and i forget the name of the other country 
And so um, you find out that, well, I'm not going to say all this stuff. Anyway, along the way, you collect some friends and they are not your countrymen. They're from this other country, but you're just a kid and it's the apocalypse and who cares, right? You're, you're buds. But then this guy gets mad at you and he he leaves and he goes back to his country, which is actually not destroyed. So you, for reasons that I will share, uh, you're basically entering, you're, you're infiltrating this country. And this is like the hardest part of the game. Like up to this point, you've basically been fighting monsters, but now you're fighting like armed soldiers. And it's, it's a way different gameplay. Like they're definitely more deadly. And um, you're just making your way and you're making a huge mess as you go. <clears throat> and at one point, you come into this square, kind of like a town square, and he's there. I think his name is Zolf. He's there, and he uh, he's getting beaten up by his countrymen. And I think the narrator tells you, like, oh, yeah, they're mad at him because he basically brought you. <laughs> he brought you to the country, and you've created such a mess, and you've destroyed so much. And they blame him, so they're kind of throwing him out. Um, and so you're surrounded by people and he's just on the ground. And at some point you had picked up this like huge weapon and it's nasty. Like it's a huge, it's basically just a giant like ram like pillar and you can like one shot most enemies and it's a shield as well. So you're kind of overpowered right now. Um, but it's like a two handed weapon. You dropped your other weapons to get rid of it or sorry to pick it up. And so the game offers you a choice like, what do you do? Do you just continue? Do you kill these folks and continue on to your mission, to your goal? Or do you put down your weapon and pick up Zulf instead and try to escape with him since he was your friend? Wow. And so I'll just tell you, if you guys don't mind, uh, I put down the weapon and I picked up Zulf and all the people like they're like lined up and there's like archers and stuff. And one dude shoots at you and misses. And then the guy next to him like kicks him. And they basically all stand down and they watch you carry this guy like out. And they like completely change their attitude towards you because they're like, oh, this is a dude who's self-sacrificial, I guess. And, uh, you know, you you don't like destroy the country or anything. So it's not like you backstab them after that or anything. But that was such a huge moment for me because I'm like, you know, I'm playing the game like, oh, cool, I can I can carry him out. I guess I wonder what's going to happen. I didn't expect, you know, all these people to, like, basically applaud me. And the music goes with it and the narrative. It was mm. a huge emotional moment. I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. <laughs> Man, what a payoff. Yeah. And there was a huge payoff. And it's it's a very simple game. It's not like 3D cutscenes or anything. It's, there's hand-painted isometric characters, there- you know. That's what Super Giant. They're really good at that's that's yeah. the first Super Giant game. Yeah, it was abs- it was absurd. So so. Uh, my other one would be Prey, probably. Because mm. Prey has a few good plot twists, mm-hmm. but what really struck me about Prey was the way that um, the way that it offers you choices that you can't help. You know how there's like a dichotomy. But, or that's not a good way of putting it. There's a there's like a split between you as the player and you as the character as the character you're playing. And so like 
we talked about it earlier, like you're playing snake and you kind of know like, all right, well, if I do really well here, like you're trying to do well because you want to get some goal, not because you're afraid of dying. Um, right. Cause you're, you're the, you're the character or you're not the character, you're a player. This game offers you choices that I think are almost impossible to not answer as if you are the character. Mm. Oh, that's good. So very immersive. It's, it's, uh, it's it's immersive. It's it's like a moral thing. It's all about morality, and it, I've never seen a game that actually tests my morality, not the player. Or sorry, not like your the morality. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not doing this. I'm not making these choices to have a light or dark scale go one way or the other. Like I'm making these choices because I think that they're the best thing I could do, not from an optimization standpoint, but from a moral standpoint. And I won't get into the choices, but uh, it, the game is full of stuff like that. And now that I've played it, it's kind of spoiled for me. But, I mean, that's something where I'm like, I wish I could do it again and experience those aha moments. It was great. Yeah, no, that's cool. You should play, I don't know if you play Telltale games, but Telltale The Walking Dead has a lot of, it. it, it, it there's a reason why Telltale became what it became. Because <laughs> those it does. I thought it I thought it was because of The Walking Dead. I didn't realize the game was just that good. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of The cool. Walking Dead itself. It, it doesn't even. It's how they do it. So anyway, so so Kyle, what was what was yours? So, in my thinking, I had three come to mind for very different reasons. So the first one, um, Super Mario Odyssey, I thought was mm. a really, I don't know, like that game was pure. <laughs> it's like that's the only way I can, I can describe it. Is like. I, I haven't had an experience like that in a very long time, and I haven't had one since where I just felt like, I don't know, everything just kind of fit so well, and the experience was just so seamless that, I don't know, I, it, was, it was very relaxing. But it's not something that I could get back into once I've like finished the goals I had set out for myself from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, second is uh, Assassin's Creed. Um, so the very first one, where you play is I can Altair. dig that. I can dig that. Yeah, I can feel you. On yeah, <clears throat> the the world building in that game was phenomenal, and I don't know it, it, if if you haven't played like the first three, like or four, I guess the ones where you, the one where you're in with Ezio and he's old. I think it's Assassin's Creed uh, Revelations, um, but. After that, it just, it becomes just a cash grab, and they can recycle <laughs> old ideas. But the story um, is it's incredible. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but mm-hmm. like you you think you know what's going to happen, and you think it's just oh, I'm just an assassin, you know, doing cool backflips and stabbing folks. But it's it's so much deeper, and that, and you just get so invested. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And so, last game, shameless plug. Um, that I've never been able to play for the first time would be Amber. Uh, just because <laughs> s- since we developed that game, I have no idea what it means to play it mm. with no perspective. And I think that would be a gift. Uh, oh, oh, but only if I could turn it off for a moment, play through the game, and then retain the knowledge and then realize that I, I created the game and then build from that. Um, yeah. And, and it, that's why you guys get me to play your games all the time. <laughs> and, and, for, and for those who don't know, Amber is basically a game that me and Kyle created a while back. And uh, 
it's something like i don't know it's very special to us and what we made it was an adventure game check it out if you want to I'll, maybe i'll put it in the description or something somewhere check it out but yeah i i can feel you on that i sometimes feel that about like things that i make in general games or media i'm like oh yeah i wish i could experience it like how other people do but okay you know first of all i didn't realize y'all were going to give you a reason why you want to experience things for the first time so i want to give my reasons so fair enough so so mine is final fantasy 7 for sure and particularly it's because of the feeling that it engendered in me especially i don't think i could experience it this way unless i was a child again like uh in like sixth grade where like everything to me in the gaming world was like incredible. I remember seeing the cutscene for Final Fantasy VII and Sephiroth and all this stuff, and it just was like, "What is going on? 3D graphics? What is happening?" Like it was blowing my mind. And then the moment, uh, you know, I guess at this point it can't be a spoiler, but Aerith, um, and what? the moment, the moment with Sephiroth. I mean, honestly, like I think I almost cried when I was a kid when Aerith, because like building that they really did such an incredible job of building Aerith and cloud's connection and then mm-hmm. how how like her heart and her spirit and you know the importance of what she was doing at the moment and like her being the last person of her particular race and culture and what it meant and then for her to be killed the way that she was killed and she how it happened that man and then how they lowered her body into the water man you just man i you know um the other one is xenogears and this is kind of a harder one i'm not gonna even get too deep into it it's just because the game is so different than any other game that I'd ever experienced during that period of time. The story it told and the crazy, crazy plot twists. Like, is this nothing like it? Like, Xenogears is an RPG with a really cool and unique battle system that I don't think any other game has really ever tried to tackle. It was like a combo-based RPG turn-based system. It was so so cool and then the story and the plot and this deep psychological like yo like it was like evangelion levels like for those who are anime fans like of messing with your head and like like just crazy you couldn't do it like like it's incredible i want to go back and play it um that's like one of those games that that I wish I don't even remember all of it, but I just remember the feeling. And lastly, I said Mass Effect, and just just because Mass Effect was just something different, like this this game where I could choose everything, you know. And mm. I, and I particularly remember this moment where in Mass Effect three, I think it was, where there was a certain character having a conversation with another character who had nothing to do with the game plot, and it was at this hospital that you were visiting another character at. And every time you go there, they would expand on this story a little bit more. And it was like you were overhearing the conversation. So every time I went to the hospital, I wanted to go and see if they were going to talk a little bit more about this story. It's so good. And it was just completely arbitrary. You never had to hear it. But I just happened to overhear it one time. And I was like, whoa. Like, And I would go there every time. And I would sit there and I'd listen to their conversation. And it was... It was just really cool. Like, uh, I mean, there's probably other games like that, but um, yeah, those those are those are super cool. So, um, well, I, I'm gonna just go ahead and wrap up this conversation on that man. Uh, just hearing, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, those kind of memories gives me chills and like makes me think about those moments and where I was when I was experiencing them. But um, I mean, games are powerful, man, and just uh, yeah. I like this conversation reaffirms why I love games <laughs> for sure. 
Because even though you'd want to go back and re-experience, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to trade the experiences that you have had. Exactly. Nothing like them. That's real. Yeah. It's nothing like them. So, um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking out this uh, this episode of uh, the Super Agile Bros. You know, thank you, uh, Steve. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you very much for your time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to many, many more conversations about whatever we decide to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, that went really well. That was a good first. Uh, I never talked to you in my life, so I think that yeah. it could went pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that to. I mean, I guess I should have expected it to turn into something, but I didn't expect. It. Oh, did we stop our recordings? No, I'm still recording. Oh, no. So yeah, so yeah, appreciate y'all uh, listening. Y'all take it easy. Peace. Good night.